you know, part of Dusty's prayer was to teach us to number our days, Lord. And you know, we were, we were just talking yesterday. You know, with all the rain, kind of an unusual August, uh, a lot of rain, the grass really grew. We got a second cut off a couple of the fields and putting hay up. And, and we, were, we were talking about you know, things we'd like to get done on the farm, you know, another building we'd like to get built or some more equipment we'd like to buy and, and, and a lot of projects we'd like to get done. And, and I, I told Dusty, I said, you know, my, my time's running out. To get this all done, and uh, and 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 just the reality it is, and and but but Lord, teach me to number my days. Not that I look at all the projects and things I want to get done, but teach me to number my days so I could be about your business. So I so I could be about doing the things that you would have me to do. And I believe a part of what he'd have us to do is to care for that little farm he's blessed us with and, and to be good stewards with it and to care for those animals and, and to pass those type of things on to the kids and grandkids. And, and But all, oh Lord, in everything that I would say and do, may it be for your honor and glory, whatever it may be. So today, we come to Romans, the fifth chapter. Once again, we're going to read once again verses 12 through 21 to get that entirety of the rest of this this chapter. And today, we're going to endeavor to get through verses 13 and 14. And uh, perhaps uh, once we get through that, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be turning our focus more then to Christ and uh, to all that He has done and we'll we'll just see how long we we will be there in the in the rest of this chapter. But today, uh, let's read twelve through twenty one. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification." For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks for your word. And, and as been said, I'll just word of God speak. Lord, just pour out your spirit upon us. Give us wisdom. Give us understanding. Give us all we need. Lord, everyone here, can receive from this passage, everyone, as you give understanding by your Spirit 
and by the truth of your word. So, Lord, help me that I would not get in the way. Help me, Lord, that I would just speak your words of truth. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. Therefore, and we talked about this last week, this connects what follows with what had just been declared and what had just been declared. We know uh, that, that we have been reconciled to God by the sacrifice of His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, through one man's sin entered the world. Who's the one man? Adam. Adam. Through Adam, sin entered the world. And I asked the question last week, did, did sin originate through Adam and in Adam? No. Who's the originator of sin? Satan. Satan. We, we read 1 John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Sin originated with Satan, the devil who has sinned from the beginning. So sin originated with the devil, but was brought into the human realm by Adam. And we talked about this quite a bit last week. Yes, Eve sinned first, but who did God hold accountable? Who had God given the command to not eat of that fruit, to Adam. Adam. So through Adam, sin entered the world. The consequences of that sin, death. Death. Therefore, just as through one man's sin, through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men. In Adam, all die. All die. Every descendant of Adam. And we spoke last week, we said, except Jesus Christ, but Christ was not a descendant of Adam. Always keep that in mind. Is it important that we believe the virgin birth? Yes. And that's why. That's why. And, and we'll be talking, that'll be a sermon that'll be coming along in a few weeks. In Adam, all die. And I, I talked last week that Adam's sin was imputed to all mankind and death entered. Now we didn't talk about this last week, and, and I don't know if you noticed when we read through all those verses, did you catch the phrasing, death reigned? Did that stick in your a little bit as we read through there? And Kevin, I'm, I'm just going to read some pieces here, so we're not going to try to put these up. In verse 14 it said, Nevertheless, death reigned, from Adam to Moses. Verse 17. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one. And in a little bit different wording, once we got down to verse 21, so that, so that as sin reigned in death. So we have death reigned and sin reigned in death. And, and did you notice, and I know you did, you had to have noticed this, that Paul linked this to a particular time period in human history. Did you catch that? And what was that time period? From Adam to who? Moses. From Adam to Moses. And we know that it's a fact that sin reigns yet today and will continue to reign until the end of, of this human history, this event that we're in at this particular night time. No one can escape death. From Adam to Moses, everyone died. Why, why did Paul separate out this time period? Have you been wondering that? Or perhaps you already knew. Why, why would he do that? And we're going to talk about that today. Uh, well, part of it we did talk about last Sunday. Why did he bring this all out? Paul is driving home the fact that all death is passed on to the entire human race as a result of God's judgment upon all for the sin of Adam. All have sinned in Adam. And we talked about this last week that uh, Paul thought this was of such importance that this get driven home that he paused 
after verse 12 to clarify what he was saying so that no one would misunderstand what he was saying. Uh, verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin, through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned, and then the natural flow would have been if, if Paul would have put an even so right there and then said, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. But that doesn't come till verse 18. And we did point that out last week, and I pointed out that in the New King James Version, the King James Version, the ESV, the NESB, at the end of verse 12 is either a colon or a, con- a dash at the end of verse 12. And it's there because... Paul put it there. It's not the translators other than they translated exactly as Paul had written. And again, Paul does this to clarify. And he even adds the parentheses in the King James and the New King James Version, uh, beginning in verse 13 and in closing the parentheses in verse 17. And again, I mentioned last Sunday that the natural flow of the thought would be uh, without that pause, Put uh, verse 12, we already got it up there. Verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man's sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because of sin. Then verse 18. Now, just leave verse 18 up. And I'm going to pick it up at the even so. There in about the middle of the verse. Now, let me read verse 12. Just stay on verse 18. I'm going to read verse 12 and we're going to flow right into that second part of verse 18 and see how it flows. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men resulting in the justification of life. There's the entirety of the thought, but Paul thought so important to not this be misinterpreted by anyone. He adds clarification. And today we're going to look at that and spend some time looking at that time period between Adam and Moses. Uh, I think I've got verse 12 through 14 all together. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, and what's this referring to? The law of Moses, that's what he's talking about, you know, the Ten Commandments. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Therefore, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Now, I want us to keep that thought in mind, and we're going to go back to Romans 3 and pick up verses 19 and 20. Now listen. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So you see what Paul had already said, and we had a therefore, and now he's to where we were at there in the verses 12 through 14. See, when the law came, it stopped every mouth from saying that they had no sin. And therefore cemented the fact that all are guilty before God. The law's purpose was to drive home the knowledge of sin, and that no one could perfectly keep the law So therefore, no flesh will be justified in the sight of God according to the law. There is no justification before God according to the law. There is only condemnation. All the world guilty before God. And also remember that that Paul had said this earlier in chapter 3. I don't have it down there, but he had said this. He had charged both Jews and Greeks that all are under sin, For it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So under the law, all guilty before God, none righteous. Now, Paul is a just a great mind 
And he's always, uh, he's always looking at the objections. And, and I'm sure perhaps he knew some of the people that this letter was going to. I, I can only imagine that. I don't know that. But perhaps he's thinking, well, I know so-and-so, and he's going to object, and, and yeah, there's, there's, there's none of this under the law, and so-and-so is going to say, well, what about those before the law? Because there's people that are always like that. Well, what about this? And so Paul, a great mind, is answering all of these objections as he goes along. He is closing every loophole. Can I put it that way? He is making his case rock solid. Uh, verse 13 and 14 in Romans 5. For until the law, sin was in the world. So, so keep, it, keep in mind, uh, remember when Paul, Paul answered that question, is the law sin? Remember that? And he said, certainly not. The law isn't sin, but rather the law clearly exposes sin. It exposed sin. It made sin manifest, made sin to abound. And we'll get to that later as well. But here Paul states that even before the law, sin was in the world. We'd all agree with that, wouldn't we? Sin, there was so much sin and wickedness in the world before the law that God wiped out every living person on the face of this planet except for the eight that was in the ark. So there was sin. There was sin. There was sin in the world. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Everyone died. Everyone died. And there's perhaps no stronger passage in Scripture that brings us home than Genesis 5. Genesis 5, if you want to turn there. This is where we have the genealogy of the godly line from Adam to Noah. And look at verses 3 through 5. 3 through 5. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. So at 130 years old, Seth is born. After he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years. So at 130, Seth is born. Adam lived another 800 years. And he had many sons and daughters. These aren't mentioned, but throughout this 800 years, kept having children. Many sons and daughters. Verse 5, So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. Let's just look at verse 8. And all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Verse 11. And all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. Verse 14. So all the days of Canaan, were 910 years, and he died. On and on with the genealogy, each ending with, and he died. Death reigned. Did you, you get that? Death reigned. Because in Adam, we all died. Now, let me just put a little side note here, and, and maybe you younger ones can think about this, because, because and perhaps... Uh, some of you, well, how could we know? How can we know what happened back in Adam's time? How could we know that? He lived 930 years and had many, many children. <laughs> Today, well, with, with Barb's mother, we can have a photo that shows five generations from Izzy and Tyler and, and uh, Josie and Isaac's kids that are Gigi's great-greats, five generations. And that's rather unusual and very unusual if you ever see six generations in a picture. Think about this. 
930 years old. Imagine a generational picture with what? 30, 40 generations. You see what I'm saying? To go to your great, 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 40 times great grandfather and say, hey, Grandpa Adam, what was it like back then? Do you see? Well, how was all this passed on? By word of mouth. And then Seth lived over 900 years. And so there's a span of over 1,800 years between two people. And all of the children that were born within. And all the history being told and told and told over again and over again. And of course, then you're probably thinking, are you going to get to Noah? Well, thank the Lord that they were told. Correct? They were told. And so everything was held by those eight They were in the ark, and then everything was told over and over again once that ark landed on dry ground. So you see how history, how can we know? How can I know about the Garden of Eden? How can I know? Because Adam told it, and it was passed on, and it was passed on, and it was passed on. And and to me, I think that's marvelous. Because there's there's been times when I've thought that. Well, how how can I know that's right? Because I know it by faith. But I know it because when I look at this, yes, it was told, and it was told, and it was told. Let's put that verse 13 and 14 back up. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is the type of him who was to come. Sin was not imputed when there is no law. What's that mean? What's that mean? What's that mean? Now, I want to say this. The Greek word for imputed here in verse 13 is not the same word Paul used in chapter 4 where it meant reckoned or counted for righteousness. See, there Paul was dealing with the theme of justification. So here, I want us to go back now to Romans 4, verses 3 through 8. Romans 4, 3 through 8. And in this passage, I'm going to read it from the New King James Version. And in this passage, uh, the word, it's the same Greek word and it's, Logozami, and it means to log to an account, to count in their ledger. And in this passage, it's used five times, the same Greek word five times, but the New King James Version translates it differently as, as it's going to show up first as accounted, then as counted, then impute, or imputes. So we're going to read uh, verses 3 through 8. And and you can see those words when we get to it. And keep in mind, it's all the same Greek word. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted. See, it was credited to his account. It was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted, there it is again, as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. So there's that Greek word five times talking of righteousness being accounted, put in our account. Then in Romans 5.13, do I have just that? Okay, 5.13, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed. Different word. Different word. Uh, This is the Greek word, uh, elagio. Elagio. And you may be sitting there and you you may be thinking, Oh, preacher, why are you bringing this up? Why, 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 why we get into a Greek lesson? Why do we want to bring this up? 
Because even though elagio is translated as imputed here in verse 13, it has a very different meaning than the word that was used in chapter 4. In chapter 4, it meant to put in the ledger, logged to their account. But here in verse 13, elagio means that sin is not recorded in the ledger. That it is not taken into account. It's just the opposite. You understand that? Uh, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Just listen. Listen, Martin Lloyd-Jones. I'll let him explain this. Quote, But what does the apostle mean by saying that sin is not taken into account when there is no law? It seems to me that we must adopt the same exposition here as we did when we were expounding chapter 4, verse 15, where we read, and you can put that up, Romans 4, uh, 15. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Now, keep that, keep that in your mind. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. And remember what he has said now in chapter 5 that we're talking about. In other words, Paul does not say that where there is no law, there is no sin For he has already been saying that sin was in the world and he has already been telling us in chapter 2 that the Gentiles who had never known the law of Moses nevertheless were a law unto themselves because they had a law written in their hearts. And let's go back and read that. Romans 2 verses 14 and 15. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law These, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. So, Lord Jones continues, so here in chapter 5, it does not mean that there is no sin, and that God did not regard sin as sin before the giving of the law. The flood proves that God regarded sin as sin at that time. He drowned the ancient world for that very reason. And yet the law had not been given. What does the law do? The law proves that sin is transgression. It establishes and defines it as such. So what Paul is saying here in verse 13 is that sin can exist and that God regards it as sin and deals with it as sin apart from it being defined as transgression by the law giving through Moses. Are you still with me? Is this just going over your head? I hope not. I hope not. Sin is still sin. But it is not regarded or counted as transgression as it were in the books until the law has clearly been given. End quote. Let's read 13 and 14 again. If you can get a grip on this, this is so important. This clarifies so many things. Verse 13 and 14, one more time. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. Let me pause there. Who had not sinned according to the the likeness of the transgression of Adam. Well, what does that mean? Remember when I said this is a very tough passage of Scripture last week? When you take it and you break it down and and you work through it, I can remember John Piper saying one time in one of his sermons, if you rake, if you get leaves. If you just rake over Scripture, if you just gloss over it, you'll get leaves. But if you dig, you might get gold. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get to the gold. So I hope you understand that. I'm not, I'm not just up here just rattling off and trying to make you think I'm smart. I don't know this stuff. I've, I've had to read and study the, to know all of this because I want gold. I want to be able to read this chapter 5 and, and at least have a partial understanding as the Holy Spirit would give it to me. And I hope you want gold, you see. 
who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. What does that mean? Well, here, here's my, it seems to me. Okay, it seems to me. Adam sinned by breaking a specific prohibition from God, didn't he? Don't eat that fruit. A, a, a command, a law stated openly and very plainly, wasn't written down, but it was from the mouth of God. A command issued, a command known and specifically to that individual. The Adam to Moses people did not sin against a stated law because the law of Moses had not been given yet. They had, but yet we would say, as Paul pointed out early in Romans, yet they had the law written in their heart, but they didn't have a particular prohibition in written word. Does that make sense? Maybe. These from Adam to Moses did not sin in the same way in the likeness of the transgression, the sin of Adam. Why does that matter? Why does it matter? Paul says they all died. Now, not because they sinned in some individual way by breaking a particular prohibition because they hadn't been given. You see, so... So why did they die? Because of Adam. Because all sin in Adam. See, that's that keeps coming back to what Paul is, is getting and, and driving home. Cain killed Abel. Was there a law that said, Thou shalt not murder? Was there? No, there wasn't. Was it still sin? Yes. Yes, it was. Do you see? There was no command giving, thou shalt not murder. But Cain killed Abel, and it was sin. Was it imputed to him? Was it counted? Oh, he suffered. God doesn't let sin go. But Paul is here saying... Remember this. I read this quote last week, and it was from John Piper, and I thought it was so, so great because we die because we have inherited the sin and the sin nature from Adam, not because we do individual sinning. Whatever our sinning may be, Cain, it was murdering his brother, and, and, and MacArthur had this quote. I should have typed it up and so we could have put it on the board, but I didn't. It says, A person does not become a sinner by committing sins, but rather commits sins because he is by nature a sinner. That's a great point. Uh, we, we don't become a sinner by, because we commit sin. We're already a sinner by nature. By nature, because of Adam. We're united to Adam, made in union with Adam in his sinning. And some will say, preacher, I, I still don't get it. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? Why does it matter? You keep hounding on this. I'm hounding on it because, because Paul did. And, and I want to go back and read John Piper's exclama exclamation, explanation that I'm, I read last week because I think he says it better than anybody else that I read and in my studying. And here's what he said. Quote, What's at stake here is the whole comparison between Christ and Adam. If we don't understand because all sinned as, be, as because all sinned in Adam, the entire comparison between Christ and Adam will be distorted and we won't see the greatness of the justification by grace through faith for what it really is. And then John says, let me illustrate in this way. If you say, through one man sin and death entered the world and death spread to everyone because all sinned individually, then the comparison with the work of Jesus would be, so also through one man, Jesus Christ, righteousness and life entered the world and life spread to all because all individually did acts of righteousness. 
In other words, justification would not be God's imputing Christ's righteousness to us, but our performing individual acts of righteousness with Christ's help and then being counted righteous on that basis. In other words, a, a justification by works. It, if we are not attached to Adam in the way that Paul is driving it home, that we all sin in Adam. We are born in sin. We are children of wrath from the moment of birth. We read last week from the psalmist, in, in the womb I was conceived in sin. So from the beginning, and that means no one has an excuse. But if you take it to believe, well, it's my individual sinning, that makes me a sinner and sends me to hell, then you would also have to take Christ's righteousness and go, well, it's my works that, that Christ helped me with that, that gets me to heaven. It's my works. Works righteousness. But, but that's not it. And that's what Paul keeps driving home. And I believe that's what how Piper was saying this, that, that made it so good. Uh, let me read some more from him. But what does it say about the work of Christ if we take the words because all sinned to mean because all sinned in Adam? See, now here's, this is it. This is it. This is what it means. Then it would go like this. Just as through one man sin and death entered the world and death spread to everyone because all sinned in Adam and his sin was imputed to them, so also through one man, Jesus Christ, righteousness entered the world and life through righteousness and life spread to all who are in Christ because His righteousness is imputed to them. It's not ours. It's His. That is the glory of justification by grace through faith. The basis of our vindication and acceptance before God is not our righteous deeds, but Christ's righteousness imputed to us. And Paul wanted that to be rock solid, that, that people would know that's the only way. The only way. First yeah. Corinthians 15.22 For as in Adam all die. Even so, in Christ, all shall be made alive. The only way to spiritual life is in Christ. Because we all die in Adam. I have uh, Romans 5, 20 and 21. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. And we're going to get to this later. Not, not today later, but another sermon. So the law came for what reason? So that everyone might know. They already were had no excuse. But then the law was given so that we have these commands that no one could perfectly keep. Some yes, as a whole no. And the law came so that the offense might abound. What's that mean? So that all may know. But there is no doubt that you are a sinner. That's why the law came. But where sin abounded, <laughs> see, there it is. Grace abounded much more. And that's what we're going to, hopefully, we're going to be talking about next week. The grace of God through Christ and why He came. Grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, that's the, that's the good news. That's the good news. First, you have to have the bad news. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It has to start there. There has to be a brokenness and a recognition over sin. It has to start there. And so that's why Paul is just so adamant about driving this home. No one could get away from it. All died in Adam. All sinned in Adam. 
can't get away from it. And, and I talked about last week of, of the importance of that in, in the, the thought of world missions and the thought of that in trying to deal with false religion and all these other things. None of that. Because you bring it down to the basic all sin in Adam. And then the gospel, there is only one rescue. One. And that's Jesus Christ. That's why Paul is being so adamant. That's why I put, took two Sundays to, to keep hounding on this. Because this is basic. Very basic that we know. Sinners. All the way back from Adam till the Lord comes back. And, and this is all done away or redone. Ever how you want to look at that. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45 through 47. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. And that first man, Adam, I'm going to break away, I'm going to pause there in that reading. And Adam fell. Adam sinned. The consequence of that is all fell. All inherited the sin of Adam. All die. All of that because of that first man, Adam. He became a living being, but he fell. Now let's pick it up again. The last man, Adam. Who's the last man, Adam? It's Jesus. And it's going to let us know that. The last man, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. Do you get the implication of that? You're not born spiritual. You're born a natural being. And in our natural being, we inherit everything from the start of the natural man, which was Adam. Did you see that? It, 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 he, he takes it back. You know, we're in 1 Corinthians, and he's still the same theme. He's still talking about it. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Let's go ahead and read Romans 5, verses 18 and 19, and this will be stuff perhaps we will get to next Sunday. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Now, I'm going to say this today. In regard to this, just in case you're you're as you're reading through that, you're getting hung up on the you're getting up on hung up hung up on the the words when you come to all men, or you're getting hung up on that word many. Well, wait a minute, it's not many; it's everybody. Those words mean a vast number. That's what it's talking about. It's not a specific. It's just it's just meaning there's a vast number, and, and what it is saying. In that one man, the first Adam, this vast number fell. And in Christ, a vast number will be made righteous. So that, that's don't don't get hung up on the all or the many. And, and we'll we'll be talking about that later. Kevin, I can remember a time we sat down, we had a talk about that. I forget what passage we were looking at, and we talked about it years ago. Don't get hung up on that because the meaning is talking about the vastness of it. So the deepest problem of all mankind is the connection with Adam's sin and condemnation. There's no one on the face of this planet that is exempt. All of the human race shares in the sin of Adam and the only remedy in all the universe for this condemnation is the justification that comes by the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. 
true saving faith in Christ is the only way to be united to Christ, justified and accepted before God. Only way. All have sinned in Adam. All under the penalty of sin. All spiritually dead. So I just want to end. I'll just ask the question this way today. Have you been made righteous in Christ? Or are you only still yet in Adam? We'll pose the question that way today. And by that I am meaning, are you saved? By grace through faith, have you believed the gospel of Jesus Christ, repented of your sins, and received Jesus Christ as Lord? Let's end with these verses once again. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Why? Why would He do such a thing? That whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 10 verses 9-13 through 13, That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him shall not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And again, we I say it so often, save from what? Save from the wrath of God that will one day fall upon all those who are still only in Adam. John 5 verse 24 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. See, that, that, that's through the second Adam. That's through Christ. In John 3.36, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. In other words, they will remain dead in Adam, dead in their sin in Adam. They shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. End with the good news, John six forty seven, six forty seven. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I, I would plead as Paul did many times, if there should be someone who would listen to this sermon or even someone here today was yet lost, I, w- I would plead, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for Your Word. And, and in the midst of all my bumbling and fumbling around, I pray that by Your Spirit and by the truth of Your Word that You would reveal Your truths in Your timing, in Your way, Help all to come to grips with the depth of the gospel, with the depth of the sin that has been passed on in Adam. Lord, help us to come to an understanding of all that means and then let that foundation be the rock-solid foundation from which we evangelize. That there's no one exempt. They were born a human, and along with that came the tie to the first man, Adam. And Lord, help us to present that in Adam all die, both physically and physically, and 
spiritually. And help us, Lord, to in love, to be able to convey the message of the gospel that Christ came to pay the penalty for sin that we all owed but could not pay, that we, by grace through faith, might receive Christ and might be set free from the penalty of sin, forgiven, a new man, no longer only the physical man in Adam, but a new creation born again, a new creation alive in Christ, a new spiritual being. So Father, help us to just come to grips with man, the magnitude of this. It's, just, it's more than we can possibly consume. I understand that. But Lord, by Your grace and mercy, help us to see it. Help the lost, Lord. By Your grace and mercy, shine light into darkness. Breathe life into death and call them to Yourself. Grant them faith that they might believe. And Father, in believing and seeing You and Your righteousness and seeing the cross of Christ as, as their rescue, as they cry out, confessing sins, Lord, grant them repentance. And help them, Father, as they receive Christ and live the remainder of their days for You. And Father, for those of us who are born again, help us to be the witness into the world. Let us not hide our light under the bushel, but ask it, Lord, but shine for You every day, that in everything that we would say and do, it would bring honor and glory to You. Whether it be at school, whether it be in the hay field, whether it be out feeding goats or whatever it may be, at Walmart, at getting gas, wherever. Lord, help us all to not be so busy that we miss the opportunities that you would place before us to share the love of Christ. And Lord, help others. Help us to live in such a way that others might see Christ in us, in me. So help us, Lord. And we are forever, forever, forever grateful and thankful. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.